Hey there, this is Patrick, and you're listening to Youth, St. Stephen, a podcast produced by the Youth Ministries at St. Stephen Lutheran Church. Thanks for joining us today. We're so glad you're here with us. Welcome, 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 guys. This is week two of our series about atypical families. We're talking about some not-so-normal families in the Bible and our own not-so-normal families, too. So just like last week, we're going to jump in with a poll to learn a little bit more about what kinds of families are kind of represented in our group here. It's anonymous, because obviously I, I don't I don't know your answers, right? So be honest with yourself, and uh, let's jump into it here. So question number one, how many parents and step-parents do you have? Zero? One, two, or three or more. I have two parents. I'll be honest with you guys, right? I guess I can share here. You can hear me. Question number two, how many siblings do you have? Zero, one, two, three, or more? Zero. Hashtag only child life. Question number three, besides parents and siblings, do any other family members live with you? A grandparent? an aunt or uncle, a cousin, or somebody else. And question number four, do you have any pets? Nope. Dog, cat, bird, fish, lizard, hamster, or something else. Mm. We've got two doggos at home. And finally, question number four, when's the last time you had a disagreement with another family member? Today? yesterday or this week. Before we get into the main part of our episode today, I just want to take a moment and give some space for prayers. I think it's important to take time out of our day, even if we don't say anything, to just kind of take, you know, 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and give space for our minds to just kind of be and rest. And sleep is definitely a time that we get that, but to be awake and just be peaceful. And so this might be prayer time for you. This might be just a time just to breathe. Whatever it is for you, take about the next 30 seconds and just be with yourself. There are a lot of ways our families are different, but here's one thing I know for sure. All of our families have disagreements sometimes. It's kind of just a fact. Let's see how good you are at solving some family disagreements. I'm going to go ahead and list off five different families, and at the end, you'll have a couple seconds to think about how would you solve this family's disagreement. All right, family number one, a foster family. 
John and Abigail have always wanted kids, but they haven't been able to have any biological children of their own. Because of their desire to care for kids and the needs that they know exist in their community, they decided to become foster parents. Right now, they are fostering one child whose parents have been deported. Her name is Gabriella, and she is 10 years old. They also have Jake, who is 15 years old. His mother recently passed away from a long illness, and he's never met his father. Gabriella is having trouble adjusting to her new foster family because she misses her parents. Jake is often angry and recently started getting in trouble at school. What should this family do next? Family number two, a blended family. Joel and Anna divorced three years ago. They have two kids, Ellie and Colin. Last year, Joel and Anna both remarried. Joel married Chloe, who has a daughter named Elise. And Anna married Ben, who has a son named Marcus. Now their family has grown from two parents and two kids to four parents and four kids. Ellie and Colin don't get along with Elise and are angry at their dad for getting remarried. Marcus often gives his new stepmom, Anna, a hard time. What should this family do next? Family number three a single-parent household. Renee is a single mom with three kids, James, Kyle, and Jody. She works two jobs in order to support her children. James, who's 17, works a job to help take care of things around the house and also takes on the role of a father to his younger siblings. James is often frustrated by the fact that he has to help parent his siblings instead of simply being a kid. And his siblings don't often see James as an authority figure. What should this family do next? All right, family number four, independent kids. Max and Jennifer are both very involved with their jobs. Jennifer is often traveling around the world, while Max often works 10 to 15 hour days. Their two kids, David and Yasmin, don't get to spend much time with their parents. David, who's 15, and Yasmin, who's 17, are pretty used to this arrangement by now and can take care of themselves. But the distance is causing a strain on their relationship with their parents. Max and Jennifer want to provide for their family financially but struggle with leaving their kids alone so often. David often misses his parents, but he doesn't want anyone to know how sad he is. And Yasmin doesn't think about her parents much. She tends to go to her friends for advice when she needs someone to talk to. What should this family do next?
Our last family, a friendship family. Rachel, Maria, and Blake grew up in the same neighborhood. All three of them have had difficult home lives, but they've always had each other. They've been best friends since they were in diapers, and once made a pact that they would always be family, no matter what. But things have been changing recently. Maria just found out she's getting transferred to a new school, away from Rachel and Blake. Blake just got a new girlfriend and has been spending less and less time with Maria and Rachel. All three of them are worried their friendship family might be coming to an end. What should this family do next? Alright, now that you've had some time to imagine, what could you do to fix these families? In what ways could you relate to the atypical families we talked about? 30 seconds starts now. When it comes to our families, who says what typical really is? Sometimes we let others' definitions or views of what's normal shape our view of our own families. But like we said last week, no matter what kind of family you come from, no family is typical. Your family is already atypical. But what if God is calling your family to be even more atypical than it already is? Every family has imperfections or problems or struggles, but typical families either try to handle them on their own or never handle them at all. Atypical families, on the other hand, invite God into their imperfections, their problems, their struggles. So last week we said there's no family too simple or too complex for God to use. Your family can be used by God to do atypical things in the world, but how? At some point, every family experiences difficulty or conflict. You might be experiencing one of those situations right now. Typical families might try to handle those situations on their own or just ignore the problems and hope they go away. But atypical families know they can't handle them on their own. Atypical families ask for God's help. Last week, we met the family of Adam and Eve, the world's very first family. We saw how their story went pretty wrong as a result of their choices to disobey God and hurt each other. But because God is a God of grace, God used their family to do something amazing, to one day bring Jesus into the world. Today, I want to introduce you to another family. This family lived many generations after Adam and Eve, and they were atypical in their own ways. 
You may have heard about Abraham before. He's an important person in the history of our faith because of an important promise that God made to him. Let's learn more about Abraham's life, specifically his relationship with his nephew, Lot. Today we're going to be reading from Genesis 13. So Abraham left Egypt and went back to the Negev, he and his wife and everything he owned, and Lot still with him. By now, Abram was very rich, loaded with cattle and silver and gold. He moved on from the Negev, camping along the way to Bethel, the place he had first set up his tent between Bethel and Ai and built his first altar. Abram prayed there to God. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, was also rich in sheep and cattle too, and had many tents. But the land couldn't support both of them. They had too many possessions. They couldn't both live there. So quarrels broke out between Abram's shepherds and Lot's shepherds. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living on the land at the time. Abram journeyed with his nephew Lot. Their servants argued. So Lot went to Sodom, Abraham to Canaan, and the Lord promised Abram the land. Abraham and Lot were like many of our families today. They fought. In fact, they fought so much that if they had continued living near each other, they probably would have hated each other. So Abraham and Lot moved to completely different cities. We'll get back to Lot in a second, but let me tell you a little bit more about Abraham so you can understand just how atypical his family really was. We're reading from Genesis 18. God appeared to Abraham at the Ozarks of Mam while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent. He was at the hottest part of the day, and he looked up and saw three men standing. He ran from his tent to greet them and bowed before them. He said, Master, if it pleases you, stop for a while and rest with your servant. I'll get some water so you can wash your feet. Rest under this tree. I'll get some food to refresh you on your way, since your travels have brought you across my path. They said, Certainly, go ahead. Three visitors came and said that Sarah would have had a son next year. Sodom was very evil. Abraham pleaded with the Lord for the city. Abraham and Sarah were really old. They didn't have any kids, but they were visited by messengers from God who told them that Sarah was going to have a baby. Imagine your grandma telling you God sent her messengers to say she was going to have a baby. You'd probably be a little concerned about grandma's mental state. That's how atypical Abraham's family was. Okay, now back to Abraham and Lot. We're reading from Genesis chapter 19. Abraham got up early the next morning and went to the place he had so recently stood with God. He looked out over Sodom and Gomorrah, surveying the whole plain. All he could see was smoke belching from the earth 
like smoke from a furnace. Now, now that's the story. When God destroyed the cities of the plain, he was mindful of Abraham and first got Lot out of there before he blasted those cities off the face of the earth. Abraham and Lot had a long history of disagreements. Remember, they fought so much that they had to move to different cities. But when Abraham learned God was going to destroy Sodom, the city where Lot lived, Abraham made a choice. He pleaded with God on Lot's behalf, and in response to Abraham's prayer, Lot and his family were saved. Last week we said, if you want God to use your family to do atypical things, sometimes you have to be the first person in your family to do something atypical. That's what Abraham did. When you're fighting with someone in your family, it isn't typical to do what he did. The typical response is to fight back, hold a grudge, or maybe give the silent treatment. But Abraham chose to do the atypical thing. He prayed for Lot in the middle of their conflict. He didn't wait for an apology. He reached out first through prayer. This might seem so simple, but honestly, it's so atypical. Not so typical families pray for each other. Just like Abraham saw prayer change his family for the better, and I saw prayer change my family for the better, prayer can change your family for the better too. Every family has those imperfections and their problems and their struggles. But atypical families invite God into those situations through prayer. Now, prayer doesn't have to be complicated. Sure, it can definitely feel that way and even maybe a little bit scary if you're not used to doing it. But it can be really simple. Here are five different ways that you can make prayer work in your life. Number one, thanking God for your family, even if you're not sure you mean it at the moment. Number two, asking God to give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Number three, asking God to give you wisdom to resolve your disagreement. Number four, asking God to do the same for the family member you're fighting with. And number five, thanking God for helping your family. Think right now about a recent disagreement you had with your family or a disagreement you seem to have often. Now imagine how that conflict could be transformed if you stopped to pray instead of fight. You know, it's interesting that Abraham chose to pray for Lot before they ever reconciled. In the midst of their conflict, Abraham went first by choosing to pray for Lot instead of continuing to fight. So this week, what if you decided to go first? When disagreements happen, typical families scream, fight, hold grudges, and struggle to find common ground. But not so typical families pray for each other. If you commit to praying for your family more than you fight with them, imagine how God might be able to use your family to do atypical things in our world. As we close on week two, I want to leave you with a question. This week, who is one family member you want to pray for regularly? And why did you choose them? Until next week, God bless, 
Love you guys. Well, hey there, you're still listening. You are the true MVP. Give yourself a nice pat on the back. We as a ministry for today's youth pour our heart into these episodes. And when someone goes all in and listens to everything we've got, it makes our heart shine. So thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, share it with a friend. Send them a text or a snap and feel free to post us on your story. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. You can send us an audio message on Anchor. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining in and spending some time together. We can't wait to see you again. Check out what else we've got for you at stephen.org youth. And remember, God loves you no matter what. See you soon.